Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. We're very pleased to have Munirazi Mukesi with us on the LabOp Global Leaders Podcast. Munirazi, how are you? I'm good, Robert. Um, I'm happy to be here and thank you for having me. And from now on, please just call me Munya. I think that would be good. I will. Thank you. Uh, Munya, let's uh, introduce you to some of the audience that may not be familiar with you. Uh, can you begin with him, your academic background, please? Uh, thank you, Robert. I come from Sim. That's my, my home area. And, and I did my uh, whole um, education in Sim uh, up to the first a postgraduate qualification that I had. Uh, so I did my medical laboratory science qualification at the University of Zimbabwe and obtained my uh, specialization in clinical chemistry also at the University of Zimbabwe. Then I did my first postgraduate qualification, which is a Master of Medicine degree in clinical biochemistry also at the University of Zimbabwe. Uh, then I moved to Namibia where I managed to complete a certif postgraduate certificate in higher education at the Namibia University of Science and Technology. Um, and I did my PhD uh, in South Africa at the University of Fort Hare. So basically that sums up what I have currently. I'm still studying uh, some courses, uh, still taking some postgraduate qualification courses with uh, South African University and I think I'll be done very soon. Great. Uh, so lifelong learner. Uh, lifelong learner, thank you. <laughs> uh, so when you, oh, sorry, from a professional perspective, uh, could you give us a sense of, of your path? So once you had completed part of your early degrees, uh, I assume that you spent some time in the professional sector as well. So can you give us a highlight on that, please? I started off in the medical laboratory science field in 1995 as a student uh, back then in Zimbabwe. Um, and then during that time, I, I rose from a junior medical laboratory scientist to a principal a medical laboratory scientist. And for the most part, I was working within the government setting, uh, which was a government lab. Um, and during that time, I was working between the central lab, which was in town, and also managed to do some stints a couple of years in the rural areas. Um, then after that, then I moved to Namibia in 2007. Um, I, was, I was now employed by Patke, uh, which is a, 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 the biggest private lab in, in, in Namibia. It took me in 2007. Uh, then I left in 2018 to join the Polytechnic of Namibia uh, when I started my academic journey then. So. Um... To discuss that briefly, so your, your shift from Zimbabwe to Namibia in terms of as a professional, was there any challenges around being accredited to practice in Namibia? Was it, uh, was it facilitated by Pathcare? How did that go about? When I was in Zimbabwe, I was registered with the um, Allied Health Professions Council in the country. Um, then when Apatke employed me, they facilitated my registration with the Allied Health Professions Council of Namibia. And I sent my, my the necessary documents. Uh, they requested my uh, certificate of good standing from the Health Professions Council in, in Zimbabwe. Between the two organizations, then they got the, the, the document and then they registered me. So when I when I came to Namibia to join Patke, I was already registered medical laboratory scientist in the country. Then I started to practice the very day I came to Namibia. I went straight into the lab and started working on the day. Must have been an interesting. Uh, must have been an interesting first day at the office. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> uh, so Munya, I'd like to ask a question. So in 2018, when you went to uh, when you went to the Polytech, which obviously became NUST afterwards. Uh, what was your specific role? What were you involved in in uh, in specific Gernust? 
So in, in 2018, um, uh, the Polytechnic of Namibia then, now the Namibia University of Science and Technology advertised for a lecturer position. Uh, they wanted someone who was going to be teaching clinical chemistry for them. Uh, I, I, I sent my application because I had then a master of medicine in clinical biochemistry. Um, they uh, gave me an offer, then I left Pathcare to, to go join them. So when I joined them, Chiefly, I was employed to, to, to teach clinical biochemistry because that was my specialization. But during that time, I found myself teaching immunology, which is another beautiful, beautiful subject that I like to teach. And I really enjoyed teaching it, immunology. And then during the same time as well, I started teaching another uh, course we call the Integrated Clinical Pathophysiology course. This is more of uh, a course where you put everything that students have learned from first year to fourth year, you put it together, including the experience in the in working integrated learning, you put that together to make sure that when a student leaves uh, with a degree, they put in a, a, an overview of what medical laboratory science is and what their role is, and also appreciating the fact that a patient is one. You might have these different sections within the lab, hematology, the microbiology, the chemistry, the immunology, the whatever else is in the lab. But when you look at the patient, you, should, you need to be able to paint one beautiful picture about the patient's situation, and you should be able to interpret that. So I found it to be a very, very beautiful course and a very lo lovely course to teach. Uh, so I ended up now teaching clinical chemistry, immunology, and also in uh, integrated clinical pathophysiology. And Munya, during your, your professorial time, just curious from a perspective of the student body, um, what is the general what are the general volumes or number of students that are attending NUST? Or that program, when I saying? joined when I joined the Polytechnic then in 2013, we were taking students as, as, as low as, as 15. I remember there was a year we took 15 students. Um, then we could uh, juggle between 25 and 30 in some years. Uh, but recently, the numbers had gone up to around 40, 45, uh, which was a huge increase from, from, um, from the years back then. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the general uh, aspect is that there are not many students who, who have uh, enrollment within the program. I think largely because of the, uh, the, the placement, uh, population size, and many other factors that I had played there. So it's interesting then that Namibia uh, sort of limits the number of students. And, and I, I imagine that also means that the placement uh, percentages are quite high. Um, just wondering what your thoughts are on that. So obviously some of the settings in the continent um, have a more open educational policy where many more students get educated uh, than there are employments. Uh, and then you have a situation like Namibia, which seems to be a bit more restrictive and, and likely leads to a higher employment level. What, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, where, do, where do you sit on that, spent, um, or that uh, spectrum? It's a very interesting uh, question, Robert, because uh, I have had uh, quite interesting um, conversations with colleagues uh, over the years uh, on that issue. Should you train more than necessary or should you just train what is what is required? Um, and, and, and I'll look at quickly from, from both ends. For, from an institutional point of view, you, you, it's also still confusing because on one end, you want the institution to train people who are going to get jobs. At the end of the day, you don't want to train uh, graduates who are going to sit on the street um, and, 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 and look back to say, why were we trained in the beginning? They start to lose even what they, what they were trained on and they, if, they, if they find jobs at, this, at some point, they lost most of what they, they knew. But also institutions also need to make money and, and you can't run programs which are not viable. So from another perspective, you would say, 
take as many students as you can so that the program is viable. These are expensive programs to run when you're looking at all science programs are expensive to run. Why? Because you've got expensive equipment, you've got expensive consumables, uh, you've got specialized stuff. And at the end of the day, the program gets to be expensive to run. So where do you where do you put yourself? But in the Namibian setting, one of the most defining factors is the fact that students in their third year go to work integrated learning. They have to be attached to a particular lab, which is accredited for them to, to try and practice what they have learned in school. So we call it work integrated learning. There are just a few species of that nature. So it limits how many people can be taken. But then the argument always comes around to say, okay, you could actually improvise and come up with other alternatives to make sure that they still attain the competencies they need to acquire during that time. But if I go into that, that would be a totally uh, different conversation. But I, I would feel that if you have to train, if there is nothing that is limiting you in terms of will placement, train as many students as possible. This is where people be, get to be innovative and not everyone who trains in medical laboratory science would end up in the lab. People would go into, into, into marketing. Some people would go into sales. Other people would say to go, you know, I'm going to do farming with my degree. Someone would go and do fishing with their degree. Because the, the competencies that they've acquired can be translated into any other business. Uh, it's not that when you are educated in medical laboratory science, you are you are now designated to die in the lab. No, you use your competence that is required in that particular qualification, apply them anywhere else, you survive. And so I, I feel from a personal perspective, train as many students as possible. Um, let them live their dream. You don't want to, to cut their dream, kill it for them. Train them. As long as they know there are limited opportunities out there, they can always use their degree for anything that they want. And these are beautiful programs where students learn more than just content or just working in a lab. So the competencies they acquire, they can apply them beautifully in life in, in, in a lot of areas and they can do very, very well. So train, train, train. Good. So uh, that's, yeah, there's, I've heard a lot of different, uh, differing thoughts on that exact same concept. Obviously some students who, who feel a bit jaded entering the program thinking that they're, they're guaranteed employment, they hear about the lab needs and the, you know, the need for different health professions across the way, and then they don't end up with a position uh, right out of school. And right. That causes, that, that that causes is... some disturbance. And, and obviously, you're, and your point is right, though, like give them some skills. And, and the medical lab science degree doesn't necessarily need to be a be-all and end-all that you will end up in the lab. And you're absolutely right in terms of it being a stepping stone profession or a stepping stone degree, I should say. Right. I, I, was, I was going to even, even interject on, uh, on, on that point, because just a couple of years back, two or so years back, the Namibian government had an issue with uh, nurses who were being trained all over. They've got a number of uh, nursing training institutions within the country. Now, all of a sudden, they were sitting on the street and they didn't have jobs. They turned back to government to say, you trained us. Uh, we need jobs. Give us jobs to government because government is the biggest employer. The, the, the private health sector is quite small um, in terms of its capacity to absorb workforce. So they turn back to government, the biggest employer, and say, we want jobs. So it kind of puts pressure then back to government and the expectation of, you have to employ me because I'm now, I'm now here with my degree. So the, I, I like the point that you raised. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the role of, uh, of medical lab science associations and the Allied Health Professional Council. So can you, can you share with us the, the function uh, of those entities in Namibia both their existence, some countries don't necessarily have the same types of setup as others. So what is, what is the situation in Namibia as far as the association and the council? 
you've brought in a very, very interesting uh, question, Robert, because um, those two people always confuse their roles, but their roles are quite distinct. Number one, the Allied Health Professions Council is a policeman. They are there, they are set up by an act of parliament. They exist as an independent body that oversees professions. And their role is to make sure that they police how professionals practice. And they make sure that you practice as gazetted, you practice as according to the law. If you break the law, they are the ones that are going to prosecute you and make sure that you never practice ever again. And if, if, if possible, put you in prison. They, they, they have got a whole legal department there that can actually take you to court, nail you and make sure that you're locked away for as long as they can. Um, this is an arm that is there for the patient and not for the professional. You pay money there so that they can put you on their register, that they know where you are. If you do something wrong, they'll come and get you and prosecute you. That's, what, that's why they are there. I'm also a patient on one end and a medical laboratory scientist on the other. So I also want to be protected. So when I see them, I feel good because I know they are, they are protecting me from malpractice. Now, on the other end, the, the, the medical laboratory scientists associations are there for the medical laboratory scientists. These are the, the bodies that will now advance the interests of the scientists, whether it is academic, it is social, whatever it is you want in there. As a body, as, as a group, as a, as, as a profession, as people, you put yourself together and say, guys, what do we want? What do we enjoy doing? Do we want to have uh, CPD events? What kind of events? Do we want to progress ourselves? Do we want to uh, come bring in someone who can give us a talk? Do we want to bring someone who can uh, teach us something? Uh, do we want to run some courses? That is the job of medical laboratory science associations. Like in Namibia, there is the Namibian Association of Medical Laboratory Scientists. That is job. You look after the interests of the scientists. Uh, you have got the I like the IBMS in, in, in the UK. Their job is to look after the interests of the scientists. Now, these are professional bodies. So if you want to progress and you want the profession to do better, these are the bodies that will advance those interests. So for me, two different distinct ends, the policeman and someone who is looking out for you. Okay. From a perspective of the association in Namibia, um, I imagine things have changed during your time while you were there. Uh, can you share with us sort of the role of the association or how things have changed in the association from the time you arrived in Namibia to relatively current days? I'm happy to say that when I uh, got into the medical laboratory science field in Namibia, the association was already there, but it was dormant. Uh, no one bothered about it. It had been operating for a couple of years, but at that moment, it was just out. No one was interested in it. The, the, the committee that had been selected uh, years back was the one that was trying to, to revive it, but it was a huge task. So with some, uh, some colleagues, we sat down and we decided, okay, let's, let's refund this. Let's, let's, let's reboot ourselves as, as, as professionals, bring everyone together. Uh, so we gathered as a group, very uh, interested colleagues. And then these, these were colleagues that had the best interests of the profession at heart because we used our own funds to even hold meetings and travel between meetings and stuff like that. We put this thing together, uh, restarted it, and it, it, it came to life. And, and during that time, we tried now to bring in activities that would um, ensure that the, the um, 
medical reporter scientists remain interested in the affairs of the association. And we had a, a, a lot of great leaders that came year after year trying to, to keep this going. And I'm happy to say it is still going on and they are still arranging activities, but it's always difficult for some reason to keep scientists interested in their own affairs. Uh, and, and I had this experience as well when I was in Zimbabwe with the Zimbabwe Institute of Medical Laboratory Scientists, uh, which ran the affairs of, 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 of uh, medical laboratory scientists in the country. You will find that scientists do not have much interest in their own affairs. Um, but in Namibia, it, 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 it peaked at some point, but you would find that, yeah, you still need to hear and they keep on encouraging people. But I'm happy to say that it is still alive. It is still doing what it is to do. And then I think uh, with a lot of partnerships, it can, it can really uh, do wonders in the country. Congratulations on, on reactivating the, uh, the association. Um, uh, Monia, that's certainly, uh, certainly something that would certainly benefit the rest of the profession, as you mentioned, as long as they implicate themselves and get involved in, in their own affairs uh, to an extent. So if we, if we go back to your to uh, the student world for a moment, um, you've obviously been through several experiences, several different geographies as well, uh, and have had a chance to look at the profession from multiple angles. What would be your recommendations to students if you wanted to give maybe a top two or three responses to this? Uh, what would be your recommendations to people either just about to begin the medical lab science degree or, or in it at the moment? Uh, and early careerists about just some general advice they should be following and, and ways they could better themselves um, and uh, take advantage of their position. Thank you, Robert. That's a very, very uh, wonderful question. Why? Because I've, I, I have had students on my side for the entire time that I've been, I have been at, at NAST and, and we even formed a, an association uh, for students, society for students, just to look after the interests of uh, medical and cultural sciences students. Our, 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 our aim was to make sure that they are interested in the, in the affairs of their own profession. Forget the Namibia Association of Medical Laboratory Scientists went even as, as low as let's have our own student association. Now, the advice I would give to, to, to and I, uh, I was always giving to the students uh, since then um, is that when you get into the profession, enjoy it. It's a beautiful profession. I wouldn't trade this for anything else that I have done in my life. If I have to redo uh, my, my, my academics, I will find myself where I am today because I, would, I, I love it. That's, where, that, that's, that, that's what I like. I, I enjoy it. So come in because you love it. Come in because you enjoy it. That way you will stay in it. Secondly, one, 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 once you get in there, find your niche. What is that you like doing? Do you like hematology? Do you like uh, uh, blood transfusion? Do you like clinical chemistry? Whatever it is, microbiology. Find your niche and do the best to advance yourself in the, make yourself the specialist in the, make yourself the point person in the, make yourself the person people would want to come to when they think of that particular discipline. The moment you mention hematology, people have to think of, if you're talking of hematology, go and see X. So it, 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 it makes it worthwhile for you to be in there because you're interested, you advance yourself. Then the other thing that people need to appreciate is that when you're in the field, you don't stop studying. Advance yourself. Don't sit there and just be you for the next 30 years. You need to stay current. You need to 
prop up your qualifications. You need to remain uh, relevant. Show that you are alive. Uh, improve yourself. That way you remain relevant in the field. You advance the field and you can also help the generations that are coming in. Because when they come in with their knowledge and, and, and competencies and skills that you might not be good at, there is a clash there. They look like they're coming there to challenge you. No, these, these kids, they come in there, they know what they are doing. Now, you still have got your, your techniques from way back and you haven't advanced yourself. There are so many courses out there that people are running. Get involved in this course to advance yourself, that course to advance yourself. Pick up a certificate there, pick up a, a workshop there, you know, and, and in, in doing so, you, you remain relevant, you remain um, an interesting person in the field and you can stay longer in the, in, in, within the profession. Okay, thank you very much for that, Munya. Uh, at this point, I'd like to do uh, something that we do for all our guests is to invite them to say, uh, to provide their thanks to any particular mentors or supporters who've aided them along their career. Um, so the floor is yours. Thank you, Robert. Um, for me, the interesting part of this whole conversation around the lab, specifically the lab, not just medical science, is that the first person I knew who worked in a lab was my dad. When I was born, he was working in a lab. It, it was a lab for a company that produced ethanol. So he used to come home with his, with his books and huge books that I couldn't even carry at times. He would put them there and I tried to carry them and then, you know, Parents would chastise you, don't touch my books, it's too big, you, you, you tear off my book. But then when he's not there, I would go there and start opening these, these big books and there was chicken scratches all over the book, these figures and little figures that I didn't even know what they looked like, what, what was this? Later on, I realized there was a chemical formula for this and this is a chemical formula for that. But that sparked my interest in these small little letters that you used to write. There's a CH somewhere, then there's a three written under it, and there's an H, which is capital letter, and then there's an O under, you know, things like that. So I, I, I used to look at those things from the time I was not even in primary school. And later on, as, as I was talking to people, then I started getting interested in, in the field more and more. So he was my first inspiration in, into science. And then when I was um, in high school, I got some guys who talked to me into medical laboratory science. They said, okay, you always talk about working in the lab. There is this field. Then I ended up in there. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite grateful to colleagues who put me in it, in, in it and, and motivated me to join it. Then I got professors that uh, at, at university that were quite passionate about the field and they um, aroused my interest even more to stay in it, which is one of the things that made me go into teaching, made me to go into teaching. I went into teaching because I realized sometimes people leave a field because they don't have someone to look up to, they don't have someone who uh, they can relate to in the field. Uh, I had exciting professors that I even today would still want to have a conversation and say thank you sir for, for for doing that for me so they were quite instrumental at undergraduate level at postgraduate level even when i was doing phd i had professors that were quite instrumental in, in making sure that i still retain my interest in the field so there are a lot of people i wouldn't want to mention names but there are a lot of people who actually were instrumental and, and just for interest robert i grew up in a, in a rural community quite rural very very rural that's where i grew up and I can tell you that when I started working, I went to work in a rural setup, which was uh, 
close to where I come from. And I learned most of what I know in the medical laboratory science field from a rural setting. They, one lab, one room, you do everything. There was not this story of, of big rooms where one test is being done. Someone who bring a sputum in, a, the same patient has got a sputum submitted, they've got a urine microscopy, they've got a stool culture. Uh, at the same time, there's a full blood count, a UNE, uh, and a pregnancy test. And they're the only one in the lab. Now we have to figure out which one do you start off with and the patient is waiting for results. And I can say I acquired most of my competencies in that setting. And, and I'm, I'm quite grateful for the people who took their time there to teach me uh, whatever I know today. That's great. It's, uh, listen, when you were very, very pleased to have had the chance to talk to you, to you very valuable information that you shared, both in advice and, and your insights. And I think certainly very interesting insights as it, as it relates to the, the nature of uh, a number of students, number of employment, and those kinds of things as well. I think that would be great, uh, great fodder for people to discuss and, and for people to take in as tips and, and suggestions. Uh, appreciate very much your time, Munyo. Definitely look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot org.